Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Big Jim, joined with... I'm Goody. How are you, James? Very good. Who else is here? Producer Rob. Yeah. Oh, a bit more. Just give us a bit more. He's buzzing, mate. Producer Rob! Buzzing. Stressed. In the Rugby Pod house. Well, it's great to be back. We've got a bumper episode. Andrew will be picking the bones out of... um, a controversial last gasp defeat for Scotland. We were robbed. You weren't robbed. You weren't robbed. We'll get to that. We'll talk about an ugly win for England and a procession for Ireland over in Dublin. Some decent games. Yeah, some decent games. We've also got a very decent guest. One of the best in the business. England centurion. The great Courtney Laws will be with us later. Yes. Yeah. Did you ever have a scrap with him? I don't want to say now. Well, I'll ask on. him. That's one of my first questions. So yeah. settle back. Enjoy. And make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. On Spotify, let's do it. How's your week been, lads? Cheers, Rob. Hey! <laughs> Great to have you. Mate, it's been good. It was actually enhanced earlier because Rob sent me a screenshot of Newcastle, of all teams. My mate, Scotty McLeod, he's, he's back. back. He's back, line-out he's coach. Back. So I'm a Newcastle fan a little bit now. There you go. You stopped crying? I was actually quite matter-of-fact about the weekend, Andrew. You didn't respond to me. Well, my social media blew up. I was at the Kovskins came up. The Kovskins, no, oh, don't why take it, it personally. That's don't why there was silence. The yeah. Kovskins were in tune. They were in town. They came up for the game. So I went out for dinner with them and I promised I'd be off dinner, my phone for two hours. It was, no, dinner. it was dinner. Busy week. So I kept it under 15 pints responsibly. I didn't, yeah. I, I was driving. They weren't happy. I don't know what it is. Like, we your mates? The social pressure, especially my mates from Cov. I said to them, oh, lads, just to let you know I'm driving, I'm not drinking. It was like I toe-poked one of them in the nuts. Yes. They were flawed. Well, they, they know you as Jimbo. Uh, exactly. They don't know you as Big Jim or James. But they come up, Andrew. So if we have a few beers, you start putting the worlds to right, right? So yeah. you have a few, you go a bit further, the cigarettes start coming out, you're loving life, you feel like you're the dog's bollocks, you're putting everything to right. The Kovskins come up. They the, want to scrap. Well, <laughs> they, they used to want to scrap. Now their testosterone levels are on the floor. They sit in silence. It's on, like tumbleweeds. On they, the phones or? Sometimes they'll pick the phone up and then someone will walk through the door. They'll be like, oh, hey, up, hey, up. Like they'll look over and be like, hey, up. And then another pint will chop. And then their eyes are glazed, look like they want to scrap or fall asleep. Then they go home and I'll text them the next day. How was it? Hell of a night, mate. Fucking loved it. I'll be like, we said three words to each other. <laughs> so you've got to pick and choose, Andrew, as you know. Yes. In our busy lives. Yes. Of when to drink, yep. when to not drink, when to smoke bomb. And I thought talking about when to vape. Oh yeah, well, daily for you. For you. It's, it's daily, but no, we will get into the game. But my general feeling was, it is what it is. I was obviously gutted at the time, mm. but for the reasons that we can kind of get through, and with the experiences that I've had, that we've had, it is what it is. What can you do? There's nothing you can do about it. So we will get into the weeds of it, but. I'm enjoying the Six Nations, Andrew, as we know. Yes. And you? Same thing as you, mate. I drove to Twickenham on Saturday. Busy, busy. Three different Q&As and things to do pre-match, which was good fun. <laughs> I was with uh, a few characters, actually. He's a hooky to start off with. He was good. Don't like hooky. Hey. Don't like him. Why? Because he embarrassed me in Billy Twelve Trees and Ed Slater's testimony. Oh, yeah. He handed me off. I'm looking at him. He could still go hooky. If they'd have had him at 10 at the weekend... I reckon Wales might have won, but we'll get to that later. Mate, his handoff can kill a man. Yeah. It nearly killed me. Yeah. I hadn't played rugby in six years, and he hit me in the chest. <laughs> First play of the game, he hit me in the chest. I've got Rabo outside me. I'm like, hooky, kick the fucking ball, mate. It's a charity game. Yeah. And he's handing me off in the chest, so, and yeah. my neck's gone back, and I've got pins and needles in my feet. 
Ambiens. I was like, fuck you, hooky. So I don't good like boy, him. hooky. There's yeah, a Quinn's there uh, for that one. Then had one with Anthony Watson. He's had some bad luck with injuries, that fella. Mate, he's one of the best in the business yeah. as well. Yeah, ridiculous. Like a Ferrari. And then I was with Martin Corrie, me old bush. I was he, me old bush rocker. Uh, mate, he's, um, he ain't happy being called bush. Why? To all our listeners, he was the ultimate... The original, oh my bush. Wasn't He's like he? the bushwhacker. Yeah, the absolute bushwhacker. He doesn't enjoy that chat, let me Why? tell you. <laughs> he doesn't want to own it. Because he is more. <laughs> yeah. He is more than having a bush. He yeah. joked, like he it's for a me. Forest. It's the biggest thing you've ever seen with the tiniest thing poking out you've ever seen. But he is one of the hardest blokes I've ever played with, Martin yeah. Corrie. One of the greatest captains, and his legacy is having a big old bush. So I could see why <laughs> he might be a bit pissed off. What did it's he say? It's funny. Well, people love the pod, and we're doing a QA, me and him. And people love the pod, and he was—he still got this thing that he was Martin Corrie, England captain as well, he Leicester can, captain, nails, yeah, hard man. And I think he still looks down on me and you as <laughs> like kids, even though we're podcasters. Uh, and he's just a different generation, isn't it? He, he doesn't like the band. He doesn't like the Bush. I said it to him, and his old man was there as well. Yeah, all good. So good fun. And then uh, obviously watch the game, and off you go home, drive home. People were disappointed in me because I wasn't having twenty pints. No, no, it's an expectation. You've set that bar. Yeah. You set, that's a reflection of you, not them. Okay, sorry. Apologies. Okay. So you've set the bar. I put the kids first. I was home, put them to bed, drove, and had a nice Sunday with the family. So that was my weekend. Lovely. Quick one, Rob. You? Hell of a weekend. The mighty Stockton Twos beat Hartlepool Rovers. You're only in the twos? You told me you were, like, Well, should first. be in the ones, but yeah. Are you in the twos? Yeah, you let the kids go for the first one, you know, the social rugby. That's my scene, though. And so what happened? You won, though? Yeah, won. Against who? Hartlepool Rovers. Smashed oh, a rivalry. Mate, yeah, it sounds like an absolute won. horror Scrappy show. Scrappy Dappy yeah, do? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. McCoy's still the sponsor? Yep. There we go. Get Stockton Twos versus Hartlepool. <laughs> 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 but that's God. the real rugby, isn't it? I don't know if that's the real rugby. That that's is... like street rugby. Hey, they say rugby's for posh people. Fucking get us. <laughs> Stockton and Hartlepool. And what did you get man of the match? Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Did you get a box of crisps, or what's the crack? Uh, three pints it was. Three, three pints and three bags of crisps. There you go. That's the grassroots that we love. You, I will support that. I will yeah. back that. Isn't the Rugby Pod sponsoring it at some yeah, point? It has, yeah, well, yeah. it has. Yeah, on our shirts. We sponsor. What? We sponsor Why haven't we them. seen this all over social media? We didn't even know. <laughs> he told oh. me, like, as in just a throwaway comment, that the Rugby Pod, basically me and so you... So our wages and our money is going to... Yeah. Yes. Wait, wait, it was about 50 quid and a bag of crisps. Well, hold on. We'll, we'll double that. Where are week. we on the jersey? Uh, on, the, on the sleeve. Oh, no, oh, I want to be on, on the, the arse. No, no, wizard sleeve, I'm happy with that. Oh, yeah, wizard sleeve. <laughs> Wait, yeah, we're happy yeah. with that. I think I'm up there. In the, when am I up there? Is that going ahead? Yeah. End of season? Yeah, end of season. Is end he speaking? Season yeah. No, not me, mate. Not one yeah, me. Yeah. Too posh? Too expensive, I think. Oh, I was. <laughs> world rugby money. <laughs> Surprise myself out of the market. No, well, <laughs> Jim, Good luck. Jim, Jim must not ask world rugby to do anything, don't you, Jim? I, I do now, mate. I'm going to ask them a lot of things, so I owe them a few favours. I'm going to ask them to overturn the decision. What about our YouTube channel at the weekend? Oh, it's gone wild, hasn't it? Someone's been monitoring the comments. <laughs> they, they have. Rob, has that been you? Guilty. Yeah, well when done, you Rob. Say, hold on, when you say monitoring the comments... Well, some people... Deleting? Like, no, yeah, like, Army's like a love-hate, but for us it's all love. out love. Yeah. It is, yeah. Wicked. Yeah, we obviously had access to the rushes, which was the raw content. And you know when you're enjoying something, when you laugh at yourself. I don't know if anyone else does that or if anyone else thinks they're as funny as I thought I was. You were. During the army interaction, I wasn't trying to be funny. I was just trying to be me. I just you had. A, I was loving it. Thing. Authentic, James. I was loving it. Authentic. It was an amazing two days, and we've spoken about it. But if you haven't watched it, get yourself on the YouTube channel and watch the Rugby Pod 
Basically, Jim and Goody. Joining the army. Joining the army. That, that's, that's us being recruited. We're in the army now. Whoa, oh, we're, we're in, in the, the army, army now. They wouldn't let us in. They wouldn't they, let us in. No, we're too old, but it was great. But Rob, did you enjoy it? What was your quick one line on Jim and Goody in the army? You, well, I know you were there because you had a camera in your hand just knocking about. Yeah, class. Really yeah, good. all right, cheers. Yeah, you've sold it. <laughs> <laughs> right, should we bring our stellar guest into the studio? Arena. Not, well, he can go wherever he wants. He's not in the arena, but it's the great Courtney Law, so he can go wherever he wants. He certainly can. Big Courtney. How's it, lads? How are you, Pam? You well? Good, man, yeah. Can't complain. Doing all right. Mate, you are doing all right. You are doing all right. You are... Flying. Are you, are you thinking about not hanging up the boots for England and getting back out there? I'm not saying that your performances weren't at the level that they're at now, but we know that you're out of contract yeah, and all these things and <laughs> you're flying. You must miss it though, no? Yeah, yeah, of course I miss it. Of course I miss it. I mean, I think that the games are always what you miss, right? They're the best part of the job. Like, I'm sure you boys kind of understand this. It's all it's all the, the stuff that goes with it that I'm, you know, I'm so over it now, especially having decided that, I'm not going to be continuing and I want to be at home with my family. Yeah, the thought of being in meetings every evening, doing press every other day, really doesn't get me going. Or the press. Oh, he's on the podcast now. He's He's taking over the podcast. We're not not press. press. (laughs) This isn't press. Courtney, I don't know if you're going to reveal all. You don't have to, but because we are not mainstream media press, Mm. do you know what you're doing next year? Or not, there's a few rumours. The big question straight away. About. Where are I'm, we signing for? Ask him. He's a friend of the show. You don't need to tell us the decision, but it'd be great if you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, it's still kind of in the workings, to be honest. Like, I've got a fair idea, but we're still kind of working through it. The, the thing is, like, I'm a Saints boy, you know. Um, I'm Saints through and through, and, you know, all things being perfect, I'd stay. But at the same time, there's, there's opportunities elsewhere. It's, of course, there is always going to be, so... We're working through it as a as a family. You know, do what is best for us first and foremost this time. But yeah, we'll see what happens. It's, it's still we're still in talks. And do you need any advice on Breve Lagayard or anywhere around there? Because I, I mean, I happened to yeah. play there for two seasons. Yeah, I heard you. I heard you played there for a bit. Yeah, what, what was it like? <laughs> Tell him the truth. Uh, the, truth the truth is, it's a lovely place when if you win, which wasn't that often when we were there. It's very industrial. I lived in a village called Saint Ferriol just outside, and it was nice. But it's quiet. So if you want a load of family time, it's good. And no doubt a load of Euros. Uh, but it's not Toulon. It's not Montpellier. It's not Paris. But it's good. There's skiing about an hour away. You can ski there as well. So yeah, mate, good spot. Good spot. Yeah. Simon Gillum, massive shout out to him. As you might know him, the big boss man at Brief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I spoke to, spoke to him. Obviously, I spoke to a few clubs. As I said, I've got to keep my options open. This yeah. this will probably be my last contract. So, oh, million percent. Um, so yeah, got, again, got to make the right call, but... Uh, thanks thanks for your input, mate. Uh, yeah, we're trying to push you on that. But look, Courtney, I suppose you can maybe speak quite frankly about it now that you are out of the England setup. I don't know what your opinion is. You're obviously losing the other captain of the club in Lewis Ludlam as well. He's off to France to play. We're seeing Joe Marchand. He's talking about coming back from Paris, Henry Arundel, just to kind of name a few, right, that the draw of the top 14. Faz. Well, Faz is going as well, obviously, yeah. is the headline name. But you can see the draw, right? Something that we've spoken about as a current player playing in the Premiership, as an English legend, slightly different for you. But what is the draw? Is it the obvious one? Is it the financial opportunity as well as the kind of change of scenery? Maybe just give us an insight into what the lads are all saying. Yeah, I mean, look, I can't speak for anybody else's motivations. Like, for me, it was really clear that I wanted to be in England. I wanted to be playing for England. 
I certainly over the last kind of five years have been trying to hone in on them hundred caps just to just to say that you've done something like that and you've achieved that level of you know success I guess for your country so it was never really in my plans to go abroad before I kind of achieved that and and now being older again to be honest it's it's very much to do with financial security after after I finished playing like you know, it's, it's one of the things I'm not saying. We, we obviously get paid quite well to play rugby, but the toll on your body, and when you compare it to other sports and what they get paid, for obvious reasons, I'm not saying they don't deserve to, it's it's mad to think about somebody that played for England 50, you know, to 100 times that, you know, have been the top of their game for years and years. And once it's all over, they have to go back and get another job. Yes, I do. So, mm. But with that, <laughs> yeah. with that, Courtney, it's a really interesting point, right? And... It's interesting listening to you talk about it because the way that you speak about it is the way that I don't think you should speak about it. You're apologising. Yeah, yeah. There's almost like a, there's an apology and there's a, a, an embarrassment from players to say, oh, these other sports get paid that. And I think that you lads, I think that the players, not me, the players should be getting paid significantly more. And I know, and Goody, we have this kind of debate around salary caps and we understand in the, the kind of where the game is as a whole. But I'm looking at it from the output of the lads, yeah. right, Courtney, and you put your head in the spokes mm. for many, many years, right, and you've put given your body to the game. The finances around that are significantly different to any other sport on the planet that where you have to put your body through the same yeah. thing, and it's great. I don't think you should apologise to be like, well, what other sports get? Like, I think we need to push the, the dial on that, and that is why Japan, and that is why the top 14 is so interesting for yeah. the players now, right? Do you speak Japanese? Courtney, are you learning Japanese? Uh, he eats Japanese. <laughs> he eats Japanese and he speaks Japanese. But you know what I mean? I don't like. I do find we're all apologising for it. Well, I'm not yeah. anymore. I've just gone fully nuclear on it. I totally get it. But I suppose the fact is we can't financially afford to play our players that much. Uh, you know, the clubs aren't in a position to do it. And that is something that we need to kind of develop whatever form it takes honestly we need to build rugby up we need to make it the product it can be and therefore the product people want to people want to buy people want to get involved in and people want to watch and it can be that 100% can be a sport that people throw money at at the minute we haven't got that part right we're not producing what people want to see so that has to change and you know when that changes then we can start demanding you know the money that we should really be earning as you know, professional players of this calibre and what we put our bodies through. Hundred percent. That Courtney, I mean everyone has a life plan and you're going through yours at the minute for what you're saying is going to probably be your last contract. What does post rugby look like for you in your head? Do you want to get stay in the game? Because obviously we're talking about the future of the game here. Mm. Do you want to stay in the game from a coaching perspective? Some people want to stay in it because they love it. Some people want to keep one foot in and do other stuff. Yeah. And some people want to get as far away from it as possible. Where do you sit, Courts, in terms of post career? I'm definitely kind of one foot in kind of guy. Like I'm not. <laughs> I don't love watching rugby or any sport. Honestly, it's just not. I like playing. I like being competitive. Um, I like being being in amongst it kind of thing. But. The only the only sport competitive sport I watch that often is probably UFC. But having said that, because I've kind of accumulated so much experience, I think I've learned an awful lot about the game. You know, I'd I'd like to work quite closely with some good good young players and try and develop them as quickly as possible, and obviously work on their kind of longevity in the game, which has been one of the biggest things of, of my career probably. Yeah, I'm a massive UFC fan as well, Courtney. Like, it's a sport that I've followed for years. Producer Rob, we go back and forth on different things. The, the, the biggest thing and the biggest difference between, I would say, the UFC and rugby, and there's loads of obviously different sports, right? I completely get that. Yeah, yeah. But 
is how unapologetic they are about yeah, marketing. Yeah, I literally, yeah. I'm literally knew you were going to say that, yeah. Yeah, I know, I, I know, but it's an obvious yeah. thing to say, isn't it, Courtney? And it almost feels like like we've played against each other for, for years. Yeah. You're still playing the game. You're an incredible athlete. But even going back to you, like kind of apologising about the money, the UFC mm. and other sports and the, the Super Bowls just happened over the weekend. The glitz, the glamour, the carnage, they embrace it, right? And yeah, I think yeah. in order for our game to move forward, that is the space mm. that we need to leap into. You know what I mean? Like there, there is that kind of... You open up a press conference. I know it must be difficult. You're sat there with Steve and it's kind of, you've got the press there who are writing the articles. No disrespect. I mean, not many people reading the articles these days because they would consume it in a different way. Mm. But just letting your air down and just saying, you know what? Like we've got Scotland at the weekend and we're going to pull the pants down. You know, and we're going to go out there and we're going to fuck them up. As in, at yeah. what point do we get to that as opposed to just saying, well, you know, hopefully we get, we'll get a good game week and, week. and we just want to... It's a, diff- it is, it's a difficult shift and yeah. it's like any sport. Until we go down that route and someone does it and someone goes all in and says, says it how it is, then we're going to be kind of stuck in that kind of void of you can't say anything, you can say anything because... What was it like as Captain Courtney? We were you given like we were back in the day of sheet of paper and saying like these are the key messages. Make sure you get them out there and don't say this and don't talk about that. Yeah, you, you'll get what Steve wants or whoever the, the coaches at the time what they want to push and and also they're probably going to want to talk about this and we don't want to go in that that direction kind of thing. And you know, I think what the UFC has obviously got going for them in and in their athletes is they're you know they're very American, so they're culturally very different to us anyway in that in that respect. And from my point of view as a skipper, knowing the motivation you can draw from a headline, if somebody gives it to you, you don't. You also don't want to put your foot in it that way because I know the Australia tour that we won the last couple of tests, they were they were telling us what they were going to do to us. So it's just all motivation for us. And, yeah. you know, it can really uh, make a difference, that kind of stuff. So I don't think we need to even go down that this um, on an individual route, but I think we just, as a sport, as you know, the people in, up top need to be less apologetic, less scared about what rugby is. It's a hard game. It's a tough game. It's for tough men. It's a dangerous game. And people like that. That's why they like watching it. It's exciting. Yeah. It's exciting. It's not football where, you know, they're going to pass it around for a bit and then there's a bit of excitement. This is a game where you can get a hit any point in the game. You can get a line break, you know, all kinds of stuff. Turnovers. There's so much exciting going on in rugby. Just lean into it. Stop apologising for people getting hurt and, and all this kind of stuff because as long as we know what we're going into as players, as long as we understand the dangers of it, then it's up to us to participate in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's UFC fighters, there's boxers, there's all kind of stuff, mountain climbers, you know, uh, free solo and all that kind of stuff. People understand the dangers, but they're still willing to go through it because it's their choice. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, th- I think that that's the route we need to kind of go, go down whereby the people up top just need to stop saying this is a game everyone can play. It's not. Anybody can play rugby from any any background, any shape or size can play rugby, but not everybody can. And it's about time we, we stopped apologising for it being a game where not everybody can actually do this. Not everyone has the grit for it. Not everyone wants to get hurt. And that's fine. Just talking and listening to you there, like you're passionate about being authentic and saying what you think. We talked about some of the press conferences and things like that. How hard was it for you to possibly sometimes bite your lip and just play that straight back kind of thing when I hear it in you, every time you speak, you are passionate about what you believe in, how you put it forward. There's the whole thing 
when you said rugby isn't racist and there's different issues in rugby. But mm. I was massively impressed with, you know, just coming out and that's your belief, so you'll say it. And it's easier now because you're not playing for England, so perhaps you don't feel the pressure if you can't say stuff. But how hard is that balance for you? Honestly, mate, because you get so used to it, it becomes kind of second nature. And I, I, honestly, I don't think I'd ever, if I wanted to say something, even if they didn't want me to say it, I'd still say it. Yeah. Um, but I know there's not many people that would do that in the same position and kind of understandably so, especially in terms of the wider public and, and you know, more probably cultural things that can or, you know, may be spoken about. I know a lot of players will not say what they actually think. Yeah through fear of repercussion and you know we've seen it time and time again so I'm in a really uh, kind of unique position where I've I've gotten out of my career most everything I want to I want to so it doesn't matter what happens to me now kind of thing so I can I can speak my mind and and previously I didn't think I was saying anything so outrageous that it's gonna people gonna try and get me flipping fired or whatever anyway so I wasn't I wasn't afraid to say it it's not like I'm kind of you know some kind of extremist or anything like that I just got pretty I think I think pretty normal views yeah. to be honest but uh, but yeah it is the, the world's changing quickly mate and it is hard for those players isn't it to not actually say what they think and because they are worried about yeah, yeah. getting picked or not getting picked getting a job or not getting a contract and yeah, yeah, definitely. and it's so a lot of people have to stay quiet right you're loving this yeah. isn't you Goody <laughs> well, no, it's just honesty yeah. though, isn't I know. it it does take I, a I lot know. to be able to give your own opinion it does and, and that is the big shift yeah. and that is the American thing the Americans don't give yeah. a shit mate they'll say whatever like whatever, yeah. whenever, to whoever, however, but it isn't just rugby or like all sports you see, like mm. cricket, they're very guarded as well. Like football is very kind of straight, lace answers. Unless it's frustrating, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because people can't genuinely be themselves, can they? Well, that is well, that's the hard. So they believe him. Yeah, but Courtney's on a podcast now where he can say, say what he wants. <laughs> say what you want on here. Say what I want, baby. <laughs> <laughs> of course, bit of ruggers. Yeah, what was it like post-match in the changing room? Did it feel a bit odd? Or were you looking around? And obviously it's the same lads, a lot of the same lads that you just played with at the World Cup. They were like, fucking hell, what's he doing in here? He's gone. Yeah, it was good vibes, man. Like I spoke to Genji in the week, um, had a little FaceTime with him to see how he was doing and making sure that, because he's obviously coming back from injury. I wanted to know how he was and that. So, uh, But he's doing well and he was like, I'll oh, make come through. I was like, well, look, if the boys had had me there, I'd, I'd love to come through kind of thing. So yeah, I went, to, I went into the changing rooms after and it's, it's strange when you're in it because uh, I haven't really thought about this since since I was in the change room, and I don't think I'm going to be able to kind of contextualise how exactly I was feeling. But it's it's a very different visit in the change room being a, a fan in, um, to an extent, you know, and knowing that it's not on me to to sort out what's you know the problems or yeah. or I don't have to review the what the game and stuff going on, and and that's obviously the first time in 14 years I've been in that change room where. That's not the case. Um, I haven't got to worry about what we need to fix or what we can carry on improving going forward and stuff like that. So it was quite kind of freeing, I guess, would would be a good... I felt quite free and unencumbered by being in there, uh, which is not, not normally the case, obviously. What do you make of all the talk coming out of camp from Jamie, the coaching team, about this new style of play that they want to adopt? We saw a snapshot of both both the games... But having got to a semi-final, nearly won that semi-final at a World Cup to then kind of rip up the the script and and lay a new foundation of play, what was your initial thought with that and how are you seeing it? Yeah, it's going to be tough. The hardest thing, um, or one of the hardest things you've got with England in particular, 
is we come from so many different teams. It's so hard to adopt any kind of game plan that everybody can just pick up and, and kind of run with. Having said that, I think the game plan is actually pretty good. Like the blitz defence is a tough defence to get right, don't get me wrong, and they're not going to get it right. They're not going to have it 100% right by the end of this tournament. But because we run so much in the Prem, you know, we're a really fit league as such. Like we do a lot of running rugby kind of thing. I think it will it will bear fruit in the end. It's kind of high-risk, high-reward rugby. You see what they did to Wales in the second half when they didn't really get anything. and You can turn over a lot of ball and stuff like that. And I think it'll be good against teams like Ireland that like to play quite pretty patterns. You just get in there, in their faces and disrupt it kind of thing. But as I said, if you get it wrong, you can you can leave some pretty pretty big holes, Was which was evident at the weekend. But in terms of attack... I'm not exactly sure like what the what the game plan is yet. Like, I'm not sure how clear that is. But what I do know is that we have to play more rugby. We have the we have the players for it. The prem teams, as I said, for the most part, play a lot of running rugby. And you know we've picked a lot of players that are on good form. So let's not let that go to waste. Yeah, hundred percent. Looking at the game now, England had thirty-seven percent and Wales twenty-eight percent of rocks under three seconds. The game was quite turgid. It was actually entertaining in a different way because it was so tight. Mm. And yeah, you yeah. know, England were chasing the deficit fourteen five, what whatever it was, and it made it into a battle. But it wasn't unbelievable rugby. Normally you're getting 60 to 70% of your rucks under three seconds. So that's where England and Wales probably want to get to. And listen to Jamie George and what Courts is saying, the evolution, the defence looked fucking good at times. Mm. And I know people are going to say, oh, it's only Wales and they didn't have massive ball carriers, but it was so connected and like they were defending for 20-odd phases and Wales are getting absolutely nowhere. The add-on is then getting turnovers, playing off the turnovers against an unstructured defence with width, with offloading at the right times and then adding onto that our attack from first phase. But like Court says, you're picking players like Slade in the centres who's been on form, Freeman on the wing, been on ridiculously good form. And we, I think we started the game that way or tried to start the game that way a bit. But then ultimately the yellow card to Ollie Chesham, which was never a yellow card in my book. What are, you, what are you boys thinking about that? Your big second rows. I know Courtney's more of a. Well, six, that's a Courtney tackle. Even for Courtney, I'd say that that was a low it's tackle. Never, never a yellow card, in my mm. opinion. Yeah, I think I think we have to be careful. Again, this is this is part and parcel of it. Like, at what point, at what body height do you have to be to say this is just a rugby incident? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Mm. Because Ches is literally horizontal at the, at the time he makes that he makes that tackle yeah. and the contact to the head, and he gets a yellow card for it. Well, the referee said he was yeah. upright. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's the terminology that we use. And again, it's so easy, Courtney, and we can go down some of the decisions that we can be very careful as well. Like, I, I, I don't have to be careful about referees. Well, I know, but as it's hilarious, so producer Rob, I was chatting to him, obviously the Scotland stuff just blown up massively. So me and producer Rob are talking about, but we make Craig, big shout out to him. He's a Scotland fan. He's fuming, yeah. right? He's fuming, but he watched the Whistleblowers documentary and he's like, now I feel bad that I can't say anything. Like, <laughs> I was like, where were you going to go? But you have to be careful, but you've also, we have to be honest. You ha- mm. So it's a fine line between being negative, being divisive, opening up referees but as ex-players, as a, as, a, as a current player, and for England, it's lucky that that didn't cost them the game. The interesting thing of it, when you listen back to it on Chesley's yellow card, they couldn't initially get the clip up, could they? No. In the stadium, and they couldn't get it to the referee. And the TMO, 
they said, oh, it's just penalty only. Mm. And then all of a sudden, he was like, obviously the TMO was panicking a bit because the producer couldn't get the the replay up and show the ref. And basically, the TMO was like, it's just a penalty. Back and near the 22. And then he goes, oh, hold on. I've got the clip. The clip had obviously come through. And then the ref, James Dolman, has gone... Yeah, it meets the yellow card threshold. See you later. And said he was upright. Yeah. And, that, and we don't want to go down a rabbit hole like we've talked about there because we could pick no, things no, up. Yeah. But, but like, that affected how England... There you because go. we then go to... They end up at the other end of the field. They get the penalty try, which... Let's talk about that one then. Because the mall, and you two are maulers and brawlers till you die. The mall's going at a rate knots towards the England line, but Marrow's on the ball. Yes. And yes, it's a penalty against Ethan Roots for sacking it. It's never... A, in my opinion, it shouldn't be a... Just how fast it was going. Yeah, that was like, but they're not in control of the ball. Yeah. So then England have to then try and play a different way because of being under pressure for 20 minutes pretty much with 13 players. And England will come. We're two from two. The fucking Grand Slam's on, boys. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Slam is on, lads. But that's what I mean, Courtney. We were talking about it last week. And actually, what an addition as well Dan Bigger was to the TV. Yeah. I mean, he, I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And he actually gave away the game plan, didn't he, before the game. He was like, Wales were working on the rush defence of England like, and how that was going to turn out with these crossfield kicks he actually gave away so yeah. I don't know whether there's anyone in England that would have picked that up you know what I mean but he actually he was no, no. he was in the Wales camp and, he, and that's exactly yeah. what happened like Wales's yeah. game plan was so spot on and Courtney I, I know you're not an avid listener of the show albeit a big fan I've always said that Wales are going to struggle every year I've said that up until recently and people you speak to we had RG Snyman on the podcast and I said what's the team that you hate playing against and he said Wales because they never go away Mate, Wales, with all the changes they've had, yeah. looked fucking good. Very physical, coming round the corner, wicked in collisions. Tommy Rafael was absolutely amazing. Like Aaron Wainwright, the physicality they've got. They're not an easy team to break down, are they, Courtney? No, certainly. And and their back row is really their heartbeat. And it, honestly, it's for a lot of teams. If you if you get your back row combination right, you're you're going to do a lot better, you know, uh, than if you don't. And and Wales, with Rafael over that ball, just making every rook an absolute shit fight is like, can't be understated. Like every team needs a serious jackal threat um, nowadays because the rook is so important. Your rook speed is so important. And then Wayne, Wayne Wright is, is obviously playing great and he carries and he, and he does all the, all, the, all the other stuff. And, you know, they've got a really good balance there back row. So that, that helps them. And then, yeah, you, you like the addition of George North in the centre as well. Obviously, mm. I played with, with him for years. He had a great game and, you know, he just gives them that, that front football almost guaranteed. Look, they're really struggling. You know, I spoke to Biggs last week, spoke to Tipperick at, at the game and, you know, the Welsh, Welsh rugby is not in a good place at all at the minute. But hopefully for them, they can continue to, I guess, perform above and beyond uh, their, their kind of station at the minute uh, and that will only help their cause. But, yeah, again, another nation that... Uh, that's on the back foot at the minute, unfortunately, yeah. through, for other reasons. Yeah. Tommy yeah. Rafael, in my opinion, should have got man of the match. I was literally going to say, and I love Benno, you know, yeah, I'm a Benno big Benno played, fan. Well, played if, very well. But if you were to say, who Tommy was the Rafael. best player on the pitch? Yeah. Like, Tommy Rafael was the best player on the pitch. Yeah. Like, if you were to map it out like that, which is crazy. But that's an old school way of looking at it, isn't it? By yeah. just picking someone from the winning side. But... Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with just picking the MOM from the winning team. It doesn't make sense. Like you're you're the man of the match or player of the match or whatever they say nowadays, regardless of what team you're on. If you you know I've, I've played games where we've had people 
you know, play far and far and away better than anybody on the other side, but we're still just about on the losing losing end of it or whatever. It doesn't make sense. Happened to me. Oh, here we go. It happened to me. <laughs> Genuinely, my one and only time I won Man of the Match for England, we played Ireland at Twickenham, and I kicked a penalty with about three minutes to go to put England ahead, and they announced it over the stadium, and I'm like, fuck you, fuck yes, get in there. And then Ireland go the length, score the winner in the corner. Shane Horgan scored the winner in the corner to win the Triple Crown. I didn't care because I was jumping for joy that I'd won the Man of the Match. I, I, I did care, I did care. I had to do an interview post-match with the Man of the Match thing. I'm like, um, you have to be gutted because you just lost the game the last minute. But it's kind of weird, but I agree with you. Like, whoever is the best player on the pitch, give him Man of the Match, and Tommy Raphael was. Yeah, I won Man of the Match in 2013, Courtney. I don't know if you remember it. Against yeah. Romania? Against, no, against Ireland. I oh. was at the front line-out with Rory Best, like, get the ball in, get the ball in, get the ball in. I'll be screaming at the front. Did that ever put you off, Courtney, or not, when I was at the front of the line-out? Uh, no. <laughs> Great honesty. Great honesty. Back to Wales. Um, wicked. You know what? With all the struggles there, Courtney, and like, I agree, we know like they've got big issues with the clubs, like the Ospreys are talking of moving, the funding in there, everything they've been through. But when they put on that red jersey, they turn into fucking superheroes. And that and they grow. And with Gatlin there, and with the voids in their position, like the bat row, 100%, whatever bat row goes in there, yeah. you think who they've got to come back as well. You've got Jack Morgan to come back yeah. into that. And yeah, everyone's yeah. talking about He's him. As, player, as, yeah, wicked. He's a good player. The big void has been Biggs. I think Dan Bigger, Gareth Anscombe leaving, and this comes on to Johan Lloyd and his performance and whether or not it should be him or Sam Costello or Gareth Anscombe to hold that position at 10. You listen to Biggs and talk about how talented he thinks this lad is. What yeah. did you, how did you make his performance out? Yo- Johan Lloyd is very talented. He's very inexperienced. I don't know how many games he started at 10 in his career, maybe 10. And that's the biggest stage for a Welsh fly after to go away to Twickenham. And the difference, I think, in the end, the difference between the two teams was experience. George Ford pulls out that 50-22, doesn't he? Um, I know George Ford had the conversion where it was kicked off his tee or stuff like that. But just the game management, the game understanding, the experience of England when they bring Coley on, Genji on as well. And a few positions, front row was obvious, the experience that The England bench had. made a big difference. Yeah, it did. So. But Yoan Lloyd had some good moments, but obviously had some... A couple of clangers as well. Wales scored the try or get the penalty try, don't they, early on? And then England have got two in the bin. He's trying to run it from under his own sticks, which Marrow sees what's happening. His eyes light up, goes and smashes him. We get the turnover. Mm. Ben Hill scores the try. There was a few errors in there from him, but in his defence, he's very inexperienced, A, at that level, and it's the hard, you know, in my position, it's the hardest position to play with no experience in the you know, the cold face of a blitz defence coming at you. It's hard for him. So he'll learn from it. And Wales were probably masters of their own downfall. You know, the penalty that they gave away, easy penalty. I think it was Tompkins offside from a, a box kick, easy three points. You know, the, some of the errors that they made that led to England's scores were self-inflicted, I think. So Gats was very proud of their performance. Johan Lloyd, some good parts, some inexperienced parts will get better with the experience. But it is the big thing. You lose bigger and then Costello's the next guy in. He was injured. I know Callum Sheedy's gone back to sign for Cardiff for next season. I'd have him in the squad as well. Patchell's injured as well, isn't he? So they haven't got a massive amount of depth in that position. So they're punching above their weight with what they've got, I think, at the minute, Wales. And I mean that respectfully because they have lost so many caps out of their squad and they've got some injuries. And so ultimately to... 
So again, they probably look, will look back on and go, we should have won that. Had they tidied a couple of bits up, they, they could have won that game, which would have been huge for them. And now I've got a mate in the office who's Welsh. Good luck to them because they're going to Ireland up next. And then they're basically going to end up with a wooden spoon game against Italy in, in round five. So I feel for them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, wooden spoon. Maybe no, Scotland, I don't. Scotland will be in that as no, well, maybe. No, let's not talk. We're going to talk about Scotland in a minute. But just some standout performances Courtney, Ben Earl obviously got man of the match. Sam Underhill, mm. man from your own art. He can hit a man, can he not? Yeah, he's a class player. and It's good to see him back on the scene, to be honest, because he obviously had a couple of years there where he's uh, he was kind of off-grid, just trying to get back fit and that kind of stuff. So it's, it's just great to see him back in the team and performing well. And We've got a lot to work out in the, in the back row, I think, England, in our balance, because Unders and Ben Earl are actually relatively similar players. Their skill sets, maybe I just think they're similar because they're both the same height. <laughs> but they are very Tiny similar. Barriers. I know Ben's probably a more yeah. physical carrier, if you like, or yeah. more power. Yeah, he is, yeah. yeah. And, and Unders is definitely uh, a much better hitter, defensive player. But also, you know, that sixth spot is going to be an important position. Like, what kind of player they go with? Because we've got a lot of really well-rounded back row in England. Like Tom Curry, who can do anything. Ben Curry, who can do anything. Ben Earl, who can do anything. And, and same for unders. We've also got Tom Pearson, who's not, you know, had a look in, but he's been absolutely class for us. Plus X amount of others and Roots coming through, Chandler and all that. So we've got an awful lot of back row. It's now just about probably about finding the, the right balance for it because you almost, it's tough because you definitely need nowadays a jumping six or at least yeah. a jumping back row otherwise you're just leaving yourself so exposed in the lineup. so I think George Martin may may play six eventually I don't know if it's fit or, or one. I know he got an injury coming into camp but I think I think Percy he might be the next kind of big six you know a workhorse bangs physical maybe not quite as athletic as the other back row but he can do a really kind of good workhorse and line-up job um, so yeah it'd be interesting to see how that back row develops he bangs as well doesn't he George Martin oh my god yeah, yes, he hits he yeah he hits it. yeah he's extremely big and fit. he's like 120 odd kegs big physical bloke yeah and, and jumps well jumps well for it talk to me about Chandler Cunningham South because I'm really impressed with him every time I've seen him play he looks like he's got even bigger like proper stack now as well where would you play him he's an eight I haven't worked with him, obviously, so I don't know like how good he's in the line-out, all that kind of stuff. But I know he plays, obviously, eight for Quinns. And he, where did he come on at the weekend? He came on he for came Unders, Unders, didn't he? he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. so I guess he would have played six. I, mm. I don't, I and don't that's really the thing, Courtney. I think yeah. when, when you speak to anyone now who knows anything about the game, and I was chatting to Justin Marshall today, and he was talking about New Zealand, that they've not been the same since they've not had Kieran Reid. Yes, they've got Ardy Surveyor, who, who's probably similar to Ben Earl, right? He can play across the back yeah. row. And yeah. it's something that we've spoken about. Like I know Caelan Doris played seven for Ireland, but really he's an out-and-out eight. Just yeah. a, a big lad that can straighten the line yeah. and is a focal point. So it's a little bit old school, like the Falatau, Billy Vunapola in his pomp, like Kieran Reid. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like and like Dwayne Vermeulen, Jasper Visa. You actually think about the spine of a lot of teams it has an identifiable man playing eight of that kind of mould, right? And yeah. I suppose that's what you're talking about, right? The balance of the back row. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and also, a lot of the time, six now. You know, for New Zealand, for South Africa, although, although they obviously just to toy play seven, but he is a, a six. Yeah. That kind of player that is a big physical line-up, jump in, you know, do a lot of things really well kind of player. And yeah, I think, uh, as we're talking about Chandler, I think... 
he looks really physical. He looks really athletic, and he looks like he'd be good off the base of the scrum to me. But it's it's tough in it because Benny Earl's playing so well. But he can also play, you know, seven, and you can let him battle it out with, well, I suppose, be Curry and unders um, for the seven position or or whatnot. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. It's it's so hard. To, it's so hard to say. Isn't it? Come out retirement, yeah. Courtney. Chuck your hat uh, in the ring as well. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> would Courtney want to be at the back of the scrum and like you, like picking a gun? Because people listen to that and be like, well, Ben Earl scored off the back of the scrum, but it's a different carry, isn't it? Like you're on about when there's actually a bit of traffic, right? As in to get yeah, over yeah, the game yeah, line. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and look, if he's at eight and Benny Earl is at seven, you can switch them, you can interchange them yeah. as and when you want. So that that's that kind of stuff's not really a problem. Um, and, and you know, when you get the tougher carries and you know, you know, you're getting out of your 22 and you just want, want someone to get your bit front foot. That's that's when you have the big lad chucking up. But look, he looks he looks extremely uh, impressive and athletic. I think I, I want to see how consistent he can be and play. We just need to make sure that he's and Steve will be great for this. That his kind of uh, skill errors don't creep into his game because I've noticed that in a you know a couple of games throughout the season or whatnot. So if he can tidy up all that kind of stuff, he'll be a hell of a player. What do you mean skill errors? What what do you mean specifically with that? Like against Italy, you know, he, he carries really hard, but he's he got a habit of you know knocking the ball yeah, on yeah. or or you know, that that kind of stuff. So like just doing the basics really well is something you've got to have locked in when you're playing in such rugby. I'd have Tom Pearson in there. He's been ridiculous. Oh, massive Tom Pearson fan. But that's what I mean. Like, they're yet, and this is the question marks around England. Like, did you learn anything about the game against Wales for them? Like, that they've got a bit of cut in them. They they can do it under pressure, that George Ford can manage a game. You were calling for him to get dropped, James. I wasn't calling for him to get dropped. I questioned whether or not they'd play him or they'd play Finn Smith. Yeah. Of how they want to go forward. Because if you're an England team, and if you've got this new look, Courtney, across the whole team, then why not change all of it? I don't agree with that. I don't agree with changing teams. I don't agree about talking about teams in transition. I've always hated it when I was a player, but watching it now. But I'm like, if you've got George Ford, you know what you're getting with George. Yeah. Exactly. Every single play well. week. No, if it would play brilliant. And he, and he does some games, he's wicked. Yeah. Like he, he's, I mean, he's a world-class 10. Yeah. Of course he is. But my only point, Courtney, was last week was about, well, if you're going to change it up and you're talking about players playing together and you look at the 9, 10, if Finn came in, 12 with Dingwall as well, you've got Freeman. You know where I'm going with this. You look at Ireland, yeah, yeah. right? They're all Leinster players mm. with a couple of non-Leinster yeah. players yeah. in there. So that's why I was talking about that. You're basically saying pick Saints, play like <laughs> Saints because they're yeah. fucking on fire. Well, they Sam, are on fire. And give Sam Vesti the coach's job as well. Yeah, exactly. Old knob cheese Sam Vesti is on fire as well as the coach. I know. So, Jim, Scotland, France, you were there. You're Scottish till you die. Talk me through it. Was it a try? Yes or no? No, it weren't. It weren't given. True. That is very <sighs> true. Did you think it was a try? Yes or no? Well, when the TMO, and Courtney, this is how much I love ruggers, Rob and Andrew, I had the ref mic on when I was watching the game. So I can only go based on what came through the ref mic. And the TMO, for me, said, well, not for me, for everyone, everyone who's listened to it. I don't know if it came through on the TV. because yeah, it, oh, it did. He, he said, I can, him down. I can see the ball on the line. And I was like, well, you can see the ball on the line. No, did, fucking... he, did he say on the line or did he say grounded? He said on the line. Okay. In my ear, he said on the line. Yeah, yeah. In my ear, he said <laughs> it's a try. And we can maybe talk a little bit about the game. I, you know, you, I, again, you have to be very careful, but you've also got to be honest, right, about what's unfolded at the weekend. And everyone's talking about the Super Bowl and like how awesome that is. Does a decision like that in the Super Bowl 
happen. I know it's a completely different game, but a, a decision of that magnitude, and it's as big as it gets because Scotland, and I said this actually with what I was doing, I was like, if you want to know what it feels like to be a Scotland fan, here it is. Watch that. Like, yeah. As in, this is it right here. And I put a tweet out as well about people saying, well, and it was me mocking what other people said, but I think people thought I was saying that. Well, you know, we could have gone on to win the game. We shouldn't have let France get back into that position. Plucky losers. But but France are a fucking good team. Yeah. Like, And they got back into the game. And then so we got back into the game. So it's easy to say, oh, you know, they should have never been in that position. When we were in that kick tennis, we should have played different. We should have taken three points instead, three. Of, instead of the scrum. We didn't take the three, but we put ourselves into a position for Sam Skinner to pick and go yeah. and get over the line and to make a call like that. And I love Nick Berry. I think he's a fantastic ref. He's in the top five. Clearly a top bloke as well. We were talking about the whistleblowers dot that's come out. Really personable guy. And it's easy to stick the finger out and say, mate, you've fucked up there. This is your fault. Yeah. I don't think it is. And look, I'm creative director at World Rugby. So, you know, th th this is going to go out to the masses and people have got the opinion. I just think it's a fault within our game around the kind of grey area. So you think before World Cup, we had the TMO coming in all the time. The TMO would make the final decision and take the emotion away from the stadium and the referee. I prefer that. Then for the World Cup, it was like, nope. And I, I imagine it was Wayne Barnes had this, you know, kind of made the decision or sign off on this or was one of the big voices said, no, no, no. As referees, we're people. We want to make the decision yeah. on the pitch. So that's kind of like where we are now going to the Six Nations. So it comes down to, we've not had any massive calls like that just yet. Yes, there's massive calls that have been missed in games and talking points in games, but not at the end of a game, which decides who wins and who loses in that moment. So we got it at the weekend, right? And poor Scotland, we were on the bad side of that. But it was the way that it was spoken about, wasn't it? So we get back into the game, driving line out, pick and go, pick and go. Ball goes over the line. Everyone thinks he's scored. France think he's not. And then, bang, the whistle goes. And his terminology is what has decided the outcome of the game. He's followed it to the letter. He has. He can't see. And the, my, my take on it when I looked at it was where he is, I think he's blocked. So he can't see mm. where the ball's down. And we've seen the other angle where if he moves 45 degrees to his left, he may see that and it's then a different question. But because he hasn't seen it, he can't clearly say, he probably thinks it's a try or he might think it's a try, but he can't say, I've got ground in. Is there any reason not to order a try? And, and then it's conclusive there, evidence, yeah. yes or no. And so that's he, the grey area. Yeah, he, he saw it held up initially. It was on the foot, arm was under it. Didn't see the angle that's gone round mentally on social media, which looks like it's a try. And, you know, for all love nor money, it's a try. But with the process, you can't actually prove that that ball is on the And that's over the, the issue, line. Goody. So that yeah. is what I'm saying, lads. I'm saying it's the process that has caused it not to be a try because if Nick doesn't use that terminology and yeah. says, try yes or no, the TMO makes the call, I can see the ball on the line, it's a try. But you can't see it on the line, though. But he says it in the, in the I transcript. Know, but I, I think... I don't think you can see the ball on the line. You can no, see the I ball don't. is down, but yeah. you can't see the line. Of course. But my opinion is, and Courtney, you being a player, being a captain as well, you know what it's like in the art of war, right? You're there. You've got Nick Berry there. You In Scotland, you're at Murrayfield. You've got Charles Olivon on your shoulder. You've got Finn Russell there as well. You've got the crowd screaming. You're also looking at a screen where the pixelation isn't fucking HD. You've refereed a whole match. It's chaotic. I don't think that Nick should be making that decision. I think it needs to be external. Like for him as well, like after the game, the poor bloke comes up into the, the aftermath function, 
The referee should be getting clapped. It's a fucking tough job. Have you thrown a haggis at him? But I clapped him because I I, I respect him and I, I can't imagine yeah. what he's going through. Like, his week's ruined off the back of that. So it says the TMO says, Nick, there is the ball on the ground. But then Nick Berry replies, there's no conclusive evidence to overturn my original decision. So you can't see it on the line. That's you can the see it on the ground. I generally think, because you can't see the line, mm. it looks like it's on the ground, but there's no conclusive. There might be a hand under it. You know, there's no grass, then the ball. It looks like it. Yeah. And that's the hard thing. So. Well, but also clearing up that terminology. So I've started off by explaining it wrong because I'm emotion-led like a lot of Scotland yeah. fans are. So seeing the ball on the line, seeing the ball on the ground, like it is, you've got to be very clear. But I just think in that moment there, the way that the framework is at the minute, Nick Berry's been fucked over because he's been honest. You can't see the ball down. So therefore he has to say on-field decision, no try. Yeah. And it has to be conclusive if it is on the line. Well, I know, Courtney, you probably don't care. Fucking Rob, as much as he lives closer to Edinburgh than London, Goody, but from a I Scotland care, mate. perspective... I want, I wanted Scotland to win. Yeah, but you didn't. Not no, as, I did. Not, Honestly, not, yeah. I said it before the game. I predicted you win by four, I think, or six. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what you predicted. But we I, wanted, I generally wanted Scotland to win, because how right. good would it be if the Grand Slam was still on for England and Scotland? Yeah, we're coming up to Edinburgh in a couple of weeks. Which will be happy, but it's not. But it's not. But I, that decision there, I, I don't know, Courtney... Yeah, I much a, prefer the Scots to the French, pal. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I, I, I am gutted. So when I think about it, I'm gutted, but there's nothing you can do about it now. I also feel a little bit sorry for the referee, and yeah. listeners will be hating me saying that, but I just feel like the process has got in the way of what should have been another outcome for Scotland. Do you know where the turning point was in the game? They took that scrum, people are saying, take the three. And you'd have gone 16, 10 out. I would have taken three. But you've got the scrum. If you look back at the replay, Hugh Jones runs a line that costs a try. Mm. And I think Hugh Jones is a wicked player. Obviously, his offloading game is off the charts. But that centre field scrum is possibly one of the easiest places to score from five metres out. That's why we said that they took it it when everyone's saying, why have they not taken three? And I said, well, because you've got it with our back line. Yeah, and I think it's Carl Rowe on the edge. He scores that. If the if Hugh Jones doesn't run the short line and just gives Duan van der Merwe a little bit, like half a second of time, he can float the ball, it's a try, and should then have, you're having have. a different conversation. But Would that's have. the that's the beauty in how tight the Six Nations mm. is. And that Scotland-France game is always tight at Murrayfield, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and with that as well, and this comes down to a bit of strength and depth, Courtney, and you would have seen this having played against Scotland back in the good old days when you were winning and then <laughs> of later matches like not we've developed a fucking good squad we've yeah. got some wicked players off the back of that but we still struggle with a bit of strength in depth I mean we've got to give a shout out to Harry Patterson he coming at 15 he looks Can't, about 12 no. I think he's played 8 pro games and that's one of them he's taken a leap into international rugby yeah. was, was brilliant what a debut it was an unbelievable debut yeah. really good I think Finn Russell as captain was really, really good. Our game plan, the way that we executed that, the physicality, uh, George Turner, Jack Dempsey, Matt Fagerson, Rory Darge was absolutely phenomenal mm. as well. But you saw as the game slowed down and we got into that shit-kicking duel, which I understand why we did because no team wanted to make a mistake. Was it pushing down? It wasn't pissing down, no, but it was slipping. It, it was it was a wet ball. Yeah, Everyone's like booing when it's happening. It's like, well, no, this is actually from a Scotland perspective the, the way that we to want play. to play, but we're not very good in that style of play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though we're playing that kicking style game. The flip side of it is, had they started running it from everywhere and made a few errors, and then France picked up a couple of tries, or whatever, and be like, why don't you kick it? So mm. you can't win with some people. Yeah, because that middle third area, Courtney, maybe just as a player who's playing as a leader as well. I know the crowd boo, they obviously booed a lot of England as well, but it's managing that middle third, right? I mean, that's the kind yeah. of tagline, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Just because, as we were kind of saying earlier, 
every team kind of need that kind of jackal threat. If you can see the penalty around that halfway line, they've got an option. If they can't quite reach the post and get an easy three points, then they'll go in the corner and they've, they've got a pretty good chance of scoring kind of thing. So nobody wants to take the chance of running out of their half, potentially knocking it on or giving away a penalty or something like that, which is you know quite likely to happen at that standard of rugby. So yeah, you, you get rid of it. You try and win the territory battle and that's why you need a good 10. It's why you need a, a good kicker. And yeah, just on that, it's, it's great to see Finn doing so well. Obviously, he was on the last Lions tour I was on and it, it seemed in the past to me like even to some of the Scotland fans was a bit of a kind of pantomime villain kind of thing. So it's really good to see him producing consistent performances, even though like we always knew he had that flair. But to put it back to back like he is now and, and have a different dimension to his game where he can sit back and, and pin the corners and that kind of thing and be a leader, it's been good to watch, man where a lot of people think we lost it was in that kicking duel. Yeah, they call it the DuPont, DuPont Law. DuPont Law, fucking banter, right? Give people an insight into well, what it's that the five is, meter. how they change it. Oh, yeah. here we go. It's, it's the, the five-metre five law that needs changing. And I spoke about it before because there was the game in the Prem between Gloucester and Bath, down at Bath, when we talked about it on here. It's ridiculous. And actually, it's not a new law around what you can do. You saw Finn Russell and Thomas Ramos having a standoff. So one will kick it the length of the field or a long way down the pitch. They don't want to just stand there, not move. And the law is, as soon as you've ran five metres after receiving the ball, everyone's on side. The way teams used to be coached and the way players used to think about it is you kick it, you chase it, you put everyone on side. So now you'll just see the kick tennis. So the kickers just stay at the back of the field because you keep your best kickers back. And you just wait for the guy who's caught the ball to run five metres. Everyone's on side and you can run forward. As long as you have either retreated or you're not within that 10 metre radius of where the ball's coming down. And you saw so many examples where you've got one forward pack on one side that looks like they're offside and the other forward pack, they just stand there in the middle. And it's hard to get the balance right. But the players and, and the law that they're looking at and what Finn Russell's doing, what Ramos is doing, that's been a law forever. If you, mm. It's just changed now because players have got cuter, the game's got more professional. They've gone, actually, if we don't run forward, they're all offside, so you can just wait there. Gosh. But it doesn't, you know, it, do, it doesn't bode well for entertainment, does it? So what they need to do is look at the law and players are now coached to probably say, hey, just catch the ball and stand still to see what happens so you get time to look up. Because I think back to when I played, if I was at the back, you're panicking about catching it and you think, okay, now I've caught it, amazing. And then you just run. Now players are more intelligent and they think, actually, I don't need to run. I can see what's happening and try and sum it up. So, I mean, it was DuPont's law because he was the first one that spoke to a referee about it properly and said, if I stand here and then as soon as you run five metres, I can go after him. But it's not promoting counter-attacking rugby. Personally, I think players should have to retreat until they're put on side. That will allow players to then, who are receiving the ball, to think that it's on to a counter-attack because it's counterproductive to attacking rugby and and wanting to counter-attack off the back of it because, Courtney, you'll, you'll be stood there in a game for Saints. But you probably yep. told you stand on the far 10-metre line until something happens, right? Yeah, I mean, I suppose we haven't necessarily been quite that cute, but I, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever there's kick tennis, I promise you I won't be moving very far. So, yeah, I generally just watch. But I, I guess, with yeah, it goes to the bigger picture, which is we need to make rugby a better product. And, you know, if we have to change a couple of laws or tweak a few laws to do that, then, then kind of so be it. And there's definitely a few areas like this kick tennis not pretty to watch it's it's kind of a necessity you need to be good at it if you want to win especially international rugby but 
there's definitely ways we can make it more entertaining. And same with a lot of different things in rugby. Like we need to get ball in play as hard as we possibly can. Yeah. We need to stop or shorten the downtime as much as we possibly can also because there's so much dead time in rugby at the minute. It's it's just boring. Do you know what I mean? People go to watch rugby mm. and watch this amazing game, physical game, but half the time it's not even being played. So, yeah, there's there's a few areas that we, we really need to find the, the best way of going about it, I think. Quick yeah. fix for me on that is the lawmakers are not going to do it during the Six Nations. Well, I I'll have a word. Have a word yeah. Is everyone has to retire. You have to retire till you put on side. So players, and that will cause a bit more fatigue. So imagine like Courtney's yeah. just said it there, he stands there, doesn't move. So you're not fatiguing yourself as a defender. If your team's kicked it, you've got to retire till either you put on side. So you've got to run back to you, towards your goal line until you put on side. Or if you're not put on side, you've got to keep fucking running back until someone does. Yeah. And that will encourage an, a counter-attack because you're going to have more fatigue in the forwards because they're having to do like little mini shuttles or whatever. Whereas at the minute, you could, as a forward, you can stand there for two or three minutes and just watch the ball go. I'd just follow way. me, mate. So I wouldn't even know where to go. I'd go where Courtney's going. <laughs> if Courtney moved, I'd, I'd run. I'd, I still haven't got a clue. Yeah. I still find it. And that's the grey area, isn't it? But just out of that game, there was 85 kicks between mm-hmm. the two teams. 44 to Scotland, 41 to France. So, yes, kicks I balls. understand. We kicks the balls. And, uh, yeah, but just to kind of close that game, I mean, the oh, he's a wicked player. Yeah. i tell you what was good. So Finn Russell, after match, went up on stage, spoke as captain, speaks really well. People might not think that. Spoke in fluent French as well. In the Jim the, Hamilton suite? In the Jim Hamilton suite. Is it called of, the Jim Hamilton suite? No, it's called the present suite, but it will be called the Jim Hamilton <laughs> Penalties suite. Penalties only in there, right? <laughs> exactly. But very good, very talented guy. But just a, a real frustration not to have beaten France. Our performance was really, really good. I know France are a team that are clearly, like I said Hungover. last week... Well, I said Courtney last week, I just said like emotional hangover and I I kind of put my bollocks on the line a little bit because I said I don't think France emotionally were there against Ireland. I don't think it was just Ireland being that good. I kind of felt that it was like, I just don't think France are the same. Well, we know they're not the same without DuPont massively, but they've got loads of young lads as well. Like you saw the bench come on. Yeah, like I didn't recognise some of the names coming on. They weren't in amazing... God, am I saying this? They weren't in amazing shape. They were like of the old, <laughs> r- more rounded version of the French. Legends. Yeah, as well. But they're a team that are looking at other things as well. But saw Sean Edwards after. He was fully suited in bright white shoes. And he looked at me, I looked at him, and we had a little giggle. And he said, if I wore these in Wigan... <laughs> I'd have no shoes on. I'd be walking around in my socks because he would have been robbed. Yeah, what Good a legend. Bloke. Good yeah. bloke. Ireland. Jim, should we talk about that game? We can do. 36-0 over Italy. Did you watch that, Courtney? Would you watch that or not? Or is it? are you at a point um, now where you're like, that's a foregone conclusion, which I thought it would be, but because I want to do the game's justice right. But are you in your mind thinking it is, all respect to Italy, a foregone conclusion? More or less, yeah. You know, what could Italy have done to win that game? Do you know what I mean? What kind of game would they have had to have to win that game? Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, With all due respect, uh, you're right. I haven't actually seen that game. That was on Sunday, right? So yeah. I was... Um, you don't love your ruggers all, much. You don't love your ruggers enough to be out there. Well, he, was kids. <laughs> he was with the kids. Mate, honestly, yeah. Sunday's a big day for me. Taxi service, mate, honestly. In, in the Bentley. <laughs> I love that. Humbly in the Bentley. But I love how he's given us that information whilst looking at his notes. That's me. I get like notes at the weekend and be like, this is what you need to do with the four kids. But Courtney, you sit back and relax, mate. We'll give you a snapshot of the Ireland-Italy game. As it says on the tin, 36 nil. I actually tweeted that I thought Italy looked better. And people were like, oh, you're a fucking joke. What are you talking 
They genuinely did. Yeah. As in physically, they were very aggressive in defence like they were against England. Breakdown, they were super competitive. You think they've lost two of their best players, Canoni in the back row yeah. and also Seb Negri yeah. as well, friend of the show. Yeah. Attacking at the line, they looked very good. Line but they didn't out, score a the try. The line out was shocking. Well, the line out was shocking, but you think, yeah, but Seb Negri and well, you look at the talking about the back row, like they've. Do you go into the Italy lacking, camp last week and talk through lineouts or what? Lacking jumpers, <laughs> lacking jumpers, Andrew. <laughs> but I tell you what, it just showed you again, and you might have tweeted it or I saw it online. But Jack Crowley, yeah, take aside the kicks off the tee, yeah. But how do you say this by not saying that Italy were poor? Because I've just said they were awesome. But it was like an extended team run for Ireland. Yeah. Like that's how comfortable. They are they made it and they made I think it was six changes, yeah, you know, some big positional ones. Crowley was great. His offloading game, you know, little pumps of the ball, scored his first try. See how happy he was when he scored his first try. Yeah, I remember I scored my first try against Italy as well. Yeah, like he has seamlessly gone into that team, hasn't he? I know it was only Italy at the weekend, but he was great against France the week before, and James Lowe as well. How good was he? Wicked. Yeah, I mean, it was. It was. It feels bad saying about it. We're talking about the Six Nations probably the best international tournament in the world bar the World Cup and it was like a team run for Ireland that's, mm. but that's how good they've got you know they've not skipped a beat I think what was it now 20, last 20 games they've only lost one obviously the big one's New Zealand but collectively Kaelamiel Doris skips he's definitely Ireland's future captain mm. their driving line out was great they just look so comfy on the ball they're offloading and that breeds confidence there they all know where was we talked about England trying to find an identity and attack and trying to put shapes on Everyone in that Ireland team, no matter whether you're on the bench, whether you're starting, whether you've, you know, the third choice lad coming in, everyone understands the structures. And it goes back to Courtney's point. A lot of them play together. You know, a smaller collection of teams that come together as one. And, you know, they're all playing in a way that they've they've been very comfortable with for a while and do it exceptionally well. So Dan Sheehan got a couple. Do you see when he scored one yeah, of them? He was like, I'm not giving you a... <laughs> one of them he scores and he's over the line and he sees an Italian defender and then still tries to run over him as well because oh, that that like, he's two. just, just man-testing people. Yeah, there was two um, points. Yeah. So yeah, he, you know, he was... They just look so comfortable in their own skin, don't they? Yeah. Courtney, how good is Caelan Doris? We speak him up on the show here, friend of the show. Like His mates love it as well. So we kind of fuel the beast, if you like. Is he as good as we're talking about? I put him in the top three back rows in the world. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely up there for sure. Uh, Van Fleer is pretty good as well. Yeah, of course. Um, and he'd be the most out-and-out seven you'd probably have in rugby at the minute. You know, he he would struggle to play across any other position, but he's so so specialist and very good player. And, and and them two together, and obviously Big Pete kind of bringing up the rear and just making sure all the other parts are in place. Is, yeah, again, a very good back row. But yeah, he's a great player. Question for Ireland is: Can they do it on a Saturday in March? At Twickers, questionable. Mm. That's their test, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And Courtney, with that then, because we're going to let you go now, but out of all yeah. the teams in the Six Nations, like which is the one for you? Like that physically, you're like, right, this is the one. This is the one that would, mm. would have got the prime Courtney Laws, which is now, up for the match. That's quite a tough one. I mean, I think across the years, different teams would have been more, you know, you'd need to get for a bit more like... Kind of 2013, 14, 15, you'd know Wales was going to be a shit fight. No matter, no matter what team they were playing, no matter, you know, they were not going away. It was going to be a hard fought battle. Coming into like the 2016s, 17s, 18s, France were just massive. So you knew they had to, you knew you had to front up physically. And I always got pretty excited for that. So that was 
a great kind of challenge. And now definitely the ones to be are Ireland, for sure. They are the best team in the Six Nations in terms of many things, but cohesion being the main thing. But, you know, as I said, I would never count out England. You saw a couple of years ago, we got our early red card against them. Yeah. and I think we, we shocked them quite heavily that day. And then even last season when we went to Ireland and played there, you know, that was a much tighter game than they would have thought they were going to be up for kind of thing. So Another red card there, that was, wasn't it? Freddie Stewart's red card should never have been. Yeah, yeah, we did get a yeah. red card. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Got another red card. So last last two games have played and we give them a good run for the money and we we were playing with 40 men. So I would not count us out. They're having we, it. We like playing Ireland. They're having and, it uh, when they come to Twickenham. They're having it. Yeah, they're having it, mate. I, I'm, I'm back in the boys, 100%. I thought you were going to say you're back in. <laughs> <laughs> get Courtney. You know, with that, Courtney, before you go then, has there been any yeah. talk from Steve at all, like just to say, look, mate, are you keen at any point? Because you've seen it happen, right? You've seen like players retire and then just get the bug to yeah. come back in, and the coaches maybe just asking them. Joe Marler. Yeah, Joe Marler, exactly, yeah. up and down. <laughs> Anything been said to you? Has he asked you or not? No, no, Steve, Steve's very, a very respectful guy. Like, he's a family man as well. He also knows me. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm retiring just to come back in, you know, what, what's it been, like three months? Yeah. <laughs> so, who, do, who does that? Uh, who does that? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, and as I said, uh, me- mentally, I'm, I'm pretty pretty past it now, to be honest. I'm quite happy what I'm doing, being at home and, you know, working on my, my club form and that. So, yeah, we will continue. Good, man. Last question. I've got two of you here. You've gone... You'd have gone head to toe against. He each doesn't one. remember it. Well, you'd have gone against each other. Of course you do, mate. Oh, yeah, of course you do. Yeah. Course Courtney, do. have you ever? Have you two ever had a scrap? Because Jim, you were sponge fist, weren't you? I was a grabber. I a was grabber. a counter rucker, weren't I? Have you ever had a scrap or yeah. any stories on playing against each other? I'm almost certain we would have had a scrap. So Big Jim was one of very. There was three. I can't remember the other one, but there was Jim. There was Stuart Hooper at Bath. Oh God! Don't put, was, me in the, don't put me in the same. Was, <laughs> He's going with fake tough guys here. There was one other that. Sorry, sorry, Jim. I don't mean to disrespect you here. That would offer nothing but chat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's fine. At least um, I offered something. <laughs> you know what, I mean? what about the counter rocking? Surely you felt a bit of the counter rocking. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, and counter rocking. But oh. yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I've, I've definitely had a few tough with you, but asking you what you do other than this, basically. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you ever, you fa- you ever had a scrap with him? From what's your side, Jim? Do you remember anything? No, I just remember Courtney was fucking. Don't run at him. Basically, don't run run at him. And if he was anywhere near, you tip it so yeah. he could monster someone. I could just get in behind <laughs> on the run. I got Courtney yellow carded once. Did you? He monstered me. I put. A, he was in front of me. I was playing for Worcester. He was in front of me. I thought there's fuck all chance of me running at Courtney here. I did the old chip and chase and he cleaned me out. He, did, he hardly touched me, but I got a clip on the nuts and I went down and he got yellow carded. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> we, that's we, been a while ago. Yeah, we still lost. Well, that's what I mean. I will finish on this. When I was in my prime at Saracens, we were on the front foot. So, like, you know, a You're lot on of the, the bench, time. Pal. Yeah, we were on the bench. <laughs> we were on the front foot. But Northampton are flying now. Courtney, yeah. mate, it's been awesome to have you. Um, it's great it to see nice. that you're flying, that you're enjoying what you're doing as well. So, it's a real treat for us to have you on the show and whatever decision. You decide to make Bon Chance, Mon Ami, and. Uh... Bon, it's Bon Chance. Oh, is it Bon Chance? Bon Chance, I believe. Or uh, Provence. Provence is a lot nicer than Brieve, though, right? Oh, is it? Apparently, George North's going there. Well, well that's apparently the got Jimmy Gopper's getting on the recruitment drive for everyone down there. Anyway, courts, are you off at the minute? Are you in training? 
No, no, but I was back in today. So I had a well, when you see Sam Vesti, say Jim and Goody say hello, Knob Cheese. That was his nickname, Knob, knob Cheese. <laughs> oh, <mate>. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you talk about aggression as well. Like, ask him back in the day how aggressive I was. He used to make me go around his house in Loughborough <laughs> and trash the joint so he could do an insurance job. <laughs> he, did, yeah. he was like, rip the banister off, rip all the wardrobes off. We need some wardrobes. You see that fish tank out the window. <laughs> oh, awesome. Courtney, Courtney, good luck awesome. for the rest of the year. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, buddy. Cheers, guys. Legend. Take it easy. Top lad, course, Top lad. Yeah. He is. Absolute warrior. Authentic. Says what he thinks. He is. Believes in what he believes he in. He does. Ain't scared to say no. anything, but he's honest and genuine. He is. And, and we and need voices. Fuck. Yeah, we're fucking hell. He's joking. He remembers Mate. playing against me. <laughs> what about... The fact Mr. that he said, No, don't, don't you dare. Can <laughs> you we edit that out, Rob, no. or not? <laughs> you and Stu Uber. I don't oh. know. He didn't offer much, but offered some banter. That is your legacy with Courtney oh Laws. Oh, God. He's, he's playing it down. Look at you now. I bet you're going to go back over the archives now. No. And try and I, find I when you've stolen a few line outs from him, if you've monstered him in a more. I know, I know you, Jim. How long have we been doing this podcast for? You've Rob? just given him banter. That's it. How long, Rob? Nine years. So let, let's round it up to 10. Yeah. So we've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah. That's the biggest low blow I've ever been hit with <laughs> out of anything in my you life. Just, you and Stuart Hooper li- just talked a good what game. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm absolutely... He ain't coming back. We're not having him on. Oh, yes. God. Oh, let's move on, Andrew Swiftly. You. All right, let's move on. You. I love it. Let's move on. What we got now, Rob? It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I love how I asked to look down at his notes just for the... <laughs> You'll get there. Sponsored by? Sponsored by Moreland Brawl, for all you Moreland Brawlers. Where's mine, mate? You're weird. We're in the studio. I've actually got some in the back. No, really? I might not, but I'm just saying that for the show. So, (laughs) sponsored by MorelandBrawl.com. So, for men that maul and rob. Women that brawl. Say it while you're pausing. Just be devastating women with what you say with women there that brawl go. and men that more more and more.com you can get the caveman pack which is the dark honey and tobacco shower gel moisturizer AKA Andy Good smell the smell of Andy Good the tobacco part and the dark honey is me so go to more and get yours Bex mad keen to get some more blisters on her hands like Christmas to send it out well that's the only reason she's got blisters on her hands oh, okay. I thought it might be yeah. something else there we go <laughs> anyway let's start off with the good uh, we're going to go with Italy under 20s they did lose, but they came close to beating Ireland away, only to lose 23-22 after a late try by Sean Adogbo. But a massive shout-out goes to Marco Scalabrin. Uh, he had an absolute storm at 19 years of age. Watch out for him, everyone. Have a look at Position. this if you can. Winger, six foot four. Basically, Italian's Duan van der Merwe at 19 years mm-hmm. of age. Scored two, got a try assist as well, and made a try saving tackle. So he's going to be a big player, literally in the future so um, good man what else was good Merib Sharagadze friend of the chill yes uh, he won his 100th cap for Georgia at the weekend 100 and was presented with a Centurion's helmet <laughs> helmet as a reward yeah he got a Centurion's helmet Lovely. as a reward so a uh, big shout out to Merib Sharagadze as well so Lovely. 100 caps for Georgia I think Cocker's did something as well. Cockers, is, is he there now? He's he? The, he, he looks Georgian. Remember Wigsville? Yeah, we've now got Graham Wigsville. We've now got Richard Cockville. <laughs> <laughs> That's his new name. Richard Cockville, the coach oh, of Georgia. Also known as Cockville. <laughs> what else is good? Luke Pierce gets a shout out. Friend of the show, Luke Pierce, refereed his 50th test match at the weekend. And late notice as well. Yeah, Ireland versus Italy. Did a good job as well. He's a good ref, isn't he? Top he, ref. He likes speeding up. He gets pissed off with people, though, don't he? Which I quite like. Yeah, speed up the game. <laughs> that's what we want, though, isn't it? Yeah, but he gets annoyed when people back answer him. Yeah, he does. He does. When Faz said, don't speak to me. Don't talk down to me like that. Anyway, massive shout out to Luke Pierce. What else was good? Harry Patterson, debut. 
Eight professional games. Unbelievable debut. 10 carries, 79 metres, ball in hand for a youngster on debut when he fouled out at nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah, Carl Stain's wife. Wife. Going into labour. Yeah, or going into labour. Yeah, so massive shout out to Harry Patterson. Sticking with individual players, Tommy Ruffell gets a shout out in the good. So good. Eight carries, three tackle breaks, 14 tackles and two breakdown steals was 100% man of the match. Uh, but unfortunately, he was on the losing... Well, fortunately... For me, he was on the losing team. The Grand Slam is still alive. Uh, James Lowe gets a shout in the good. 12 carries, 115 metres, ball in hand. Four line breaks, 419 kick metres from nine kicks. Big shout out to James Lowe. Ireland gets a shout in the good for nilling a team in the championship for the first time since 1987. But the good this week goes to a very, very special young man. Stevie Mulrooney. The lad that sung the anthem. How fucking good was that? It was good. I mean, I was watching Usher and Alicia Keys. But that's not in rugby, James, so I can't put that in the goose. I know. And then, but, but Stevie was good. Stevie Mulroney. Yeah, it was nice. I thought it was brilliant. Spine tingling, actually. He was a young man singing the anthem, proud as you like, gave it full beans, and he was the best thing about rugby union this weekend. So that's why so old school. Stevie Mulrooney wins the goose. All right. The bad, few bits of bad. England versus Wales, the quality of the game wasn't great. Edge of your seat stuff I quite at times. Liked it. But yeah, no, just the quality, like there was no shape in attack. Yeah, but see, that's my kind of game. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it wasn't the best. Uh, what else was bad? The DuPont law, we just spoke about it. Farcical, what was going on at times in the Scotland versus France game with the lack of movement. But it is what it is, right? What else was bad? Italy set piece. Jim, you've been in there? They lost five line-outs. Yeah, line-out was poor. Conceded four scrum penalties. Harsh. Not scrum. only that, but they only had two visits to Ireland's 22 and scored no points, so that was pretty bad. But the bad this week, I feel bad doing this. I don't. I do and I don't. Bracey wasn't refereeing, so I can say it. The bad is going to some of the refereeing calls this weekend. Oh, gosh. Whistleblowers, Andrew. Oh, mate, whistleblowers. whistleblowers was great. Whistleblow- I watched it. Do you know what? I watched Whistleblowers, and I can tell you now, Angus Gardner is being rinsed by the referees. For his shadow referee. <laughs> I text a field. Do you do that as well? Do I? Fuck. But it was hilarious, wasn't mm, it? Yeah. The bad goes to some of the refereeing decisions. I'm not going to single out people. And then the ugly. Only one bit of ugly. There was there was literally no ugly. So I've had to manufacture this into the ugly. And I feel bad doing it because it's not like a cheap shot or you know anything like that. Although Weenie Antonio gets a mention for his shoulder. Was it where you were last week or not? Is that No, no, no. It's not no the, ugly. the ugly. I'm basically going to give it to Johan Lloyd's pass. Over poor Gareth Thomas. Right, but here, oh here, here lad, God. here's a pass. By the way, there is Sam Underhill about to blitz your ribs. And Snot came out. <laughs> oh my God, Everything out of his eyes kept slow man. I was like, JJ, <laughs> this is how you hit a man. Yeah. And this is one where if it comes towards you, duck. Just, yeah, just leave like, it. But leave it. Do not take that. Yeah. He got fucking monstered. Yeah, so Yoan Lloyd's pass to Gareth Thomas. Opening up his ribs above his head. It was horrible. It was ugly. He was bollocksed after as well. Yeah. I'm fair play to Gareth Thomas, though, getting up and carrying on because a lesser man with less body fat, that would have broken his ribs. Uh, yeah. So good job he has a bit of padding. So yeah, yeah. a good man. But that's why Johan Lloyd's pass wins the ugly. A couple of shout outs to finish. Yep. And it's a sad one, unfortunately. And it's a big shout out to Craig Maxwell and his family. Craig's formerly of the Six Nations and the WRU and was recently diagnosed with a rare form of terminal cancer at the age of 40. Craig's terminal illness has given him, his children, Isla, who's 12, and Zach, who's 8, and wife, Tracy, very limited time together. 
They've decided to focus their energy on raising vital funds to support and help the cancer diagnosis pathway in Wales, speeding up diagnosis and supporting quicker treatments for patients. If you would like to and are able to make a donation, big or small, to support Craig on his mission, please follow the Just Giving link and type in Wales Coastal Path Cancer Challenge and you'll see it pop up there. So, Craig, we're thinking about you and your family and your beautiful children as well. 100%. Another sad one, actually, and sticking with the Welsh theme, big Mick Harding, who was the proudest of proud Welshmen, travelling the world, watching... Wales and Cardiff Blues sadly passed away at the weekend. He's a true family man and a true gentleman. Uh, Mick was a key figure in the world of rail engineering, overseeing many projects, including London's Crossrail. A gentle giant of a man and a great mate to so many. So on behalf of everyone at Construction Sport and within the rail sector, rest easy, big man. They'll be missed, Mike Harding. That's it. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, James. And thank you to producer Rob. And also Courtney. Yeah, of course, Courtney as well. How can we forget him? But don't forget to check us out on YouTube as well as make sure you're subscribed. Where, Rob? Spotify. That a boy. There we go. That a boy. Rubby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. And watch the army video as well. Oh, we will. We will finish off with the rugby pod. What was yours, B? Pass. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. Uh, uh,